AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 74 of AFF On Air. It's the 27th of November 2021. In this episode, we'll have a look at when each of the remaining Australian states and territories will reopen their borders to quarantine free travel. Opportunities to save significant amounts of points by redeeming flights with partner airlines. And I'll chat to James Green from Frequent Flyer Solutions about what's changed for people using their points to book international flights in and out of Australia post-pandemic. Find out where people are travelling to now since the border reopened and which airlines now have award availability. But first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest airline and Frequent Flyer news from the past fortnight. And firstly, Qantas will soon offer bonus points, status credits and other exclusive rewards to frequent flyers who make sustainable choices when they fly and at home through a new Qantas frequent flyer green tier. In return for their contributions to the environment, Qantas green tier members will be given a choice of rewards including bonus Qantas points or status credits for each year that they complete activities in five out of six categories including offsetting flights, travelling sustainably and contributing to environmental causes. Last week, Qantas also launched a new partnership with Accor's loyalty program, Accor Live Limitless, or ALL. With this partnership, Qantas frequent flyer members can earn extra Qantas points when booking stays at Accor hotels in the Asia-Pacific region. Selected Accor loyalty program members can also enter extra points when flying with Qantas. And there's an Accor Silver Status Fast Track available to Qantas frequent flyer Gold and Above and Qantas Points Club and Points Club Plus members. Accor hotels include brands like Sofitel, Novotel, Ibis, McEwa, Pullman and Mantra. And in another new Qantas partnership, Optus customers can now earn Qantas points on selected Qantas SIM-only mobile plans. These specific plans, which are only available on the Qantas website, cost between $39 and $79 a month and come with 10 Qantas points per dollar as well as up to 20,000 bonus sign-up points. Rex Airlines has announced it will launch Boeing 737 flights from Melbourne and Sydney to Brisbane next month, meaning it will serve all of the routes on the so-called Golden Triangle between Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Rex resumed some of its other Boeing 737 routes last week after its entire jet network was grounded since July due to the ongoing lockdowns and state border closures. From next year, Rex will also take over from Qantaslink on the routes from Brisbane to Roma and Charleville in southwest Queensland after the Queensland government awarded Rex the licence to operate these regulated air routes for the next five years. Qantaslink currently has the licence for Roma and Charleville, but it has come under criticism from locals in these towns, especially the mayor of Charleville recently, for regularly cancelling flights due to low patronage. Qantaslink has, however, retained the licence to serve the outback Queensland towns of Longreach, Barcaldine and Blackhall from Brisbane for another five years. Qantaslink has also retained the New South Wales government licence to fly from Sydney to Lord Howe Island for another three years up until 2025. And the airline has just announced it will return to the Sydney to Toowoomba route from next February, flying 12 times a week between Sydney and Toowoomba's Wellcamp Airport using Q400s. 
Jetstar is now using Boeing 787s on selected domestic flights as it retrains its crew and prepares to start using the 787s again on long-haul international flights. 787s are already appearing on one flight a day between Sydney and Melbourne, which will increase to two daily flights between Sydney and Melbourne from next week. From January until March 2022, Jetstar 787s will also appear on flights from both Sydney and Melbourne to Cairns and the Gold Coast. Jetstar is only selling economy class on these flights, but the Jetstar Dreamliners do have 21 business class seats fitted at the front of the cabin. These seats are being classified as extra legroom seats and are available to select two passengers with an economy ticket for as little as $32 extra. Virgin Australia has announced that it will require all passengers on its international flights over the age of 12 to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19, except for those with a medical exemption bringing its policy into line with that of Qantas, Jetstar and many other international carriers. St George Bank will cap the amount of Qantas points that can be earned on its Amplify Qantas Platinum and Amplify Qantas Signature credit cards from next year. These cards currently offer an unlimited number of Qantas points. However, from the 1st of January 2022, the Amplify Qantas Platinum card will only give points on the first $100,000 spent per calendar year, and the Signature card will only award points on the first $250,000 spent annually. Qantas will begin year-round flights from Melbourne to Delhi next month, a few weeks after it launches another new route from Sydney to Delhi. The Melbourne to Delhi flights will have an extra stop in Adelaide on the way to India due to the limited range of the Airbus A330-200s being used for that route. The Qantas flights from Sydney to Delhi, which were previously due to stop in Darwin on the outbound leg, will also now stop over in Adelaide instead of Darwin. Both flights will operate non-stop from Delhi back to Sydney and Melbourne, with which is possible due to the tailwinds when flying in that direction. And Qantas has brought back its status fast track offer for the third time in 12 months, offering eligible Australian and New Zealand residents another shortcut to Qantas frequent flyer gold status. If you currently have the equivalent of gold status or higher with Virgin Australia, Air New Zealand, Singapore Airlines, or one of 13 other airlines, you can register until the end of November for the Fast Track offer, which gets you Qantas Club membership for three months starting from December, and you'll get Qantas Gold status if you can earn at least 100 status credits during your three-month trial period. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Turn your bills into business class with the SNP app. Whether it's an ATO bill, rates, utilities, phone, school fees, body corporate or any of the other 60,000 plus bills with a BPAY biller code on it, you can pay it with SNP and earn full frequent flyer points for your credit card spend. You can use your Visa, MasterCard or American Express to pay bills with the SNP app and pay just a 1.5% processing fee including GST. There are no other hidden fees. The 1.5% processing fee even applies for American Express payments. Now that's just 0.05% more than the ATO's card payment surcharge for Amex. And with SNP, you'll earn points on your Amex card at the full everyday spend rate and not the reduced rate that you'd normally get at the tax office. 
Snip also has some convenient features. You can connect your emails to the Snip app and have your billers automatically added to the app when they arrive in your inbox. You'll then get a handy push notification when your bill's ready for payment. You can pay the bill on the spot, schedule it for later, set up an installment plan or create a recurring payment. And you can even use Apple Pay or Google Pay. So it's no surprise why Snip has processed more than $150 million worth of bill payments and counting. It really is the easiest and most rewarding way to pay your bills. With tax time in front of us now, there's never been a better time to try Snip. Simply download the free Snip app on your mobile device and enter the code AFF10 on sign up for $10 off your first bill payment. That's Snip with two I's, S-N-I-I-P. South Australia this week became the latest state to reopen to fully vaccinated travellers from New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT with a negative COVID-19 test. South Australia now has a new framework for um, vaccinated arrivals based on the risk level of the place where the person is coming from. Currently, vaccinated travellers arriving in South Australia from very low-risk states like Western Australia or Queensland or Tasmania um, have no entry conditions. However, people coming from places which do have current COVID-19 community transmission but have a population with at least 90% double-dose vaccination just need to get a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours before arriving in South Australia and they need to use a daily symptom check on the Health Check SA app um, for 14 days after arriving in South Australia. Um, but other than that, uh, they just need to be vaccinated and, um, and yeah, just to get a pre-flight test and do the symptom checker. If you're coming from a place with between 80 and 90% vaccination coverage, you would also need to get a COVID-19 test within 24 hours of arriving in South Australia and quarantine until you get the test. Um, but that's just about all um, uh, in addition to the requirements for low-risk areas. People coming from places with less than 80% vaccination rates, however, and COVID-19 community transmission, or anyone coming from overseas, would also need to quarantine for seven days at home after arriving in South Australia. And under the new guidelines, anyone who's unvaccinated and doesn't have an exemption from the entry conditions would need to apply for an exemption to travel to the state. So that's what's happening in South Australia. There's been lots of happy reunions with people now able to come to Adelaide. And it won't be too long before more states join South Australia. So I thought I'd just have a quick look at what's happening at the moment with the other states. So as we know, New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT have now pretty much fully opened. There's with just some minimal testing requirements for people coming from overseas. And Victoria, um, just on Thursday, removed the border permit system. So Victoria has now reached 90% double-dose vaccination in the eligible population. So that means you no longer need to get a Victorian border permit to travel to Victoria or transit via Melbourne Airport. So that's good news. Tasmania will reopen to fully vaccinated travellers from New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT without quarantine on the 15th of December. Although people coming from high-risk areas, like the places I've just mentioned, will still need to get a COVID-19 test within 72 hours before travelling. Um, if they've been in a high-risk area in the 14 days before travelling to Tasmania. And the testing requirement excludes Tasmanian residents who were only out of Tasmania for less than seven days. 
Queensland will reopen to vaccinated interstate travellers without quarantine by the 17th of December, although a PCR test will be required for anyone coming from a COVID-19 hotspot. And those are currently considered to be New South Wales, Victoria, the ACT and parts of the Northern Territory. Um, Even people who just leave Queensland for a day trip would still need to get the test, which means um, unless you can get a test result coming back on the same day, it pretty much rules out day trips outside of Queensland, say to Sydney or Melbourne. Um, But people coming from overseas into Queensland after the 17th of December will still need to quarantine at home for either 7 or 14 days, which uh, is pretty unattractive. And um, to be honest, if you need to get to Queensland after that time, you'd be better off flying into New South Wales or Victoria, spending 14 days in one of those states, and then just flying up to Queensland, um, which you would be able to do if you've been in Australia for 14 days, then without quarantine. So pretty illogical, but anyway... Um, The Northern Territory um, changed its rules recently and they now also, like South Australia, require all arrivals to be vaccinated with some limited exceptions. Travellers from red zones can now quarantine at home for seven days in areas of the Northern Territory with high vaccination rates, such as Greater Darwin, although pre-flight and post-arrival COVID-19 tests are required. Now, the Northern Territory will remove the quarantine requirement for people who are fully vaccinated five days before Christmas on the 20th of December, although people will still need to be tested for COVID-19 before they travel and a total of four times after they arrive in the Northern Territory. Western Australia is the only other state here, and uh, at this point, Western Australia has not actually named a reopening date, although it looks likely that this would be in about late January or early February 2022, but that date is due to be announced once Western Australia hits 80% double-dose vaccination. Now, I think it's also worth mentioning that Norfolk Island, which is an external territory of Australia, will also be reopening to fully vaccinated travellers from next Monday, the 29th of November, so just two days from now. Uh, All people aged 12 and over now, however, must be vaccinated when arriving on Norfolk Island or will be required to self-isolate on arrival, and that includes people who are not coming from COVID-19 hotspots. Um, so yeah, that's that's the rule from Monday. Other than that, uh, people coming from Queensland uh, can still travel to Norfolk Island if if they would like to if they're vaccinated. People from New South Wales, Victoria, or the ACT who have been locked out for the last few months will also now be allowed to travel to the island. They'll just need to get a, a negative COVID nineteen PCR test within seventy two hours before the time of their arrival on the island. Now, for people needing a COVID-19 test for domestic travel, the federal government confirmed this week that you can get a free community test and that the various states will accept SMS test results, like the the SMS results you get from the free um, state-run clinic tests. Um, So you don't need to pay $150 for a PCR test to travel to Queensland, for example. Unfortunately, this does not work, though, for international travel. So I should clarify, Norfolk Island, they consider themselves to be part of Australia, so they'll accept the free um, community test and the SMS results. But if you're travelling overseas, most other countries, and indeed pretty much all international airlines, if they require a pre-departure COVID-19 test, you would need to pay for a private pathology test, which then gets you a certificate with a bit more information on it than you would get with just an SMS. And of course, they're um, less difficult to forge. PCR tests for or travel can cost up to $200 in Australia and in some rare cases even more if you're trying to get a test with an express turnaround time. 
But if you're flying overseas from Sydney, Melbourne, or Brisbane, there is some very good news for you now in relation to the cost of PCR tests. Histopath Pathology already had uh, testing sites right um, outside the international airport terminals in Sydney and Melbourne. And they also now have a testing site in the International Departures area, Landside, at Brisbane Airport. Now, Histopath has also just dropped the price of an express COVID-19 PCR test. Um, so with Histopath Pathology, you can now get a um, an express COVID-19 PCR test which with a guaranteed 90-minute turnaround time for $79, uh, which is really handy if you want to just um, get to the airport a little bit earlier before you fly out and get the test um, there on the spot rather than having to arrange it a day or two beforehand. Histopath also offers rapid antigen tests, which are accepted for travel to places like Singapore or the United States for $59, and they have a 30-minute turnaround time. And this could also be useful if you need to do a same-day trip from Queensland to Sydney or Melbourne, for example. Um, So you can, to get back into Queensland, get one of the free community tests, but you usually um, have to wait at least overnight to get the result for that. So as an alternative, if you have um, a spare 90 minutes at the end of the trip, you could just pop over to the International Terminal in Sydney or um, the walkway between Terminal 2 and 1 in Melbourne Airport and pay $79 to get the fast turnaround test from Histopath. So that could be an option if you if you need it. And some more good news for the recovery of our tourism industry, Australia did reopen to Singaporean citizens last week who can now uh, travel quarantine-free to Sydney and Melbourne. And from the 1st of December, eligible visa holders as well as Japanese and Korean citizens will be allowed to travel to Australia under the current arrangements. But unfortunately, it will be some time before Australians will be welcomed back in New Zealand. The New Zealand government released its new plan to reopen the country's borders this week. And under this plan, fully vaccinated New Zealand citizens and residents will only be allowed to return to the country from Australia without an MIQ booking from the 17th of January next year. And New Zealanders will be required to get a pre-departure test as well as tests on days one and seven after arriving in New Zealand. And they'll also have to self-isolate at home for seven days after returning to the country. From the 14th of February next year, New Zealand will then reopen its border to its own citizens and residents from all but very high-risk countries, so um, more countries than Australia, but there will still be some exceptions. Unfortunately, though, New Zealand will not reopen to foreign nationals or tourists until after um, at least the 30th of April next year, and even then there could be a reopening which would be staged by a visa category. Now, this is subject to change, and the New Zealand government has flagged that Australian tourists might be welcomed back a little bit sooner, but it's still not clear whether uh, tourists arriving uh, from May 2022 would still need to do seven days of of home quarantine when they arrive. So um, if you've got travel booked to New Zealand over the summer or even over Easter next year, unfortunately, it is quite likely that that's going to be cancelled. And indeed, um, Qantas and Air New Zealand have just cancelled a whole bunch of flights for travel to New Zealand over the next few months, unfortunately. Um, And if you've booked with Air New Zealand, by the way, unfortunately, you can't expect to get a refund. Air New Zealand has a policy of not refunding flights that they cancel, which frankly is absolutely disgraceful. And I'm personally now actively avoiding Air New Zealand for future travel while that policy remains in place. With Australia's international border now reopened, you might be thinking about booking your next overseas trip. And if you've been saving up those frequent flyer points over the pandemic, you might be thinking about using those points to book. 
So what's the water availability like in and out of Australia at the moment? And what's changed since pre-COVID times when it comes to redeeming points for flights? Well, joining me on the podcast now to talk about that is James Green, a colleague of mine at Frequent Flyer Solutions, which is AFF's sister website. James is an award flight assist travel consultant, and he handles all the award flight assist customer inquiries and quote requests. So he's got a pretty good idea of what kind of travel Australians want to book at the moment using their points and what can and can't be done at the moment. Uh, welcome, James, back to the podcast. Yeah, good day, Matt. Thanks for having me back. So, James, Award Flight Assist reopened about a month ago. Uh, in that time, you've obviously been um, having a look at all the, the quote requests that are coming in. What kinds of trips do Australians want to book at the moment? Well, we've opened it up from February next year in 2022, uh, basically because of the lack of availability returning to Australia. But we're getting quite a lot of requests for One World Awards, which, are, of course, are a very good value. Uh, but we do... One-way return, multi-city awards around the world, basically um, any of those, and using all the major programs. What are the most popular destinations that people are wanting to go to at the moment? Well, Matt, it's uh, it's interesting because it has changed a little since uh, two years ago, um, prior to COVID, of course. Mm. Um, we're getting lots of requests for people wanting to go to Europe. It could be to visit friends and relatives, but... Perhaps the, the biggest change has been that Lisbon in Portugal and Athens uh, have become quite popular, uh, more so than they were prior to COVID. Also getting quite a, f- a few requests for Rome and Amsterdam, and London is about the same as London and Amsterdam, whereas a couple of years back it was by far the most popular request. So a little bit of change there. I think the other one I've noticed is that people are requesting uh, award flights to Canada much more so than the USA, which is probably the reverse of what it was a couple of years ago. And very little requesting for uh, places in Asia, which is probably not surprising given how much of Asia is still closed. Yeah, and I guess are people wanting to book at the moment for like the European summer in 2022? Yes, they are. We're getting a few requests for April, but most of the requests are the June, July area and then through to December. School holidays, of course, remain particularly popular, mm. um, but not a lot in that period in uh, early next year except for April. Have you found that people are quite keen now to rush out and redeem their points um, immediately, or do you think people are being a bit more cautious and, and just waiting to see what's happening overseas before committing to an overseas trip? I think they're definitely more cautious. Um, as I say, they're, they're looking at later in the year when hopefully things are going to be easier. And we are getting a few inquiries for early in the year, but the people are um, inquiring for, you know, that February to May period are still quite uncertain about the exact date they want to travel. Obviously, the airlines flying into Australia are now, you know, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of what airlines are flying here, what routes they're flying, and also where Australians want to go to. Have you found that some things are now harder to redeem points for than they were pre-COVID? Yes, it's certainly the case. Um, for example, with uh, Singapore Airlines using uh, Chris Flyer miles, there's uh, quite a lot of the routes are showing waitlist only on save rewards. As there is some availability on Advantage Awards, of course, but um, I think it's more difficult to get a, uh, a straight booking immediately, although I, I have seen that the wait list is clearing reasonably quickly on some routes. 
Qatar Airways is a very popular one out of Australia, particularly um, the Q suite, but it's very difficult to find uh, two seats in business class using Qantas points. That's far more difficult than it was a couple of years ago. Can we just talk about that for a moment? Because, yeah, I have noticed that with Qatar Airways, if you're redeeming uh, points with an airline that's not Qantas, so if you've got American Airlines Advantage Miles or British Airways Avios or any other One World program or Qatar Partner program, you can usually get up to four business class seats in and out of Australia on Qatar Airways flights. But there seems to be only one business class seat per flight being made available to Qantas frequent flyers. So if uh, people are wanting to use Qatar Airways to travel to Europe or or, or anywhere else, um, what can they do if they've got Qantas points? Well, that's certainly uh, correct, Matt. And uh, if if you're only travelling by yourself, then you're probably okay. But if there's two or more of you, you would need to be looking to fly to one of the Asian hubs, be it Singapore or Bangkok, uh, even Japan or um, Kuala Lumpur or something like that. Um, And then you'd find the availability uh, with Qatar from there to Europe using your QF points would be, uh, you know, far more availability. Yeah, so what are the other ones that are a bit harder to book now? Yeah, the um, uh, getting to South South America is uh, particularly difficult since LATAM has dropped out of One World. But you can still use Qantas points when they are flying, which probably won't be later in the year, although they're, they are accepting, sorry, later next year, um, although they are accepting bookings from about March onwards. Uh, but South America is difficult. And I th- would say the other one is using Qantas points to get in or out of Australia is not more difficult. It's certainly not any easier, despite the fact that they say they're releasing 50% more points. It's, it's always been one of the most difficult things and remains so. Yeah. What's Emirates award availability like? Quite difficult at the moment. It's... Um, there's not a lot of availability on the routes that previously would have had something and not a lot in first class, which obviously is quite popular. Mm. So it's become far more difficult. Yeah. And is it just me or has the Qantas website got even worse than it used to be? Oh, look, I find it extremely frustrating. It's becoming more and more frustrating over the years. And at the moment, I think it's atrocious. The, the multi-city tool is pretty much broken. Um, and even the ordinary tool is not user-friendly. And of course, if you look for a seat using points, it will give you the points plus pay seats, you know, something where they might be wanting half a million or three quarters of a million points to fly to Asia or Europe. And there's a little um, button or slider you have to click to bring up the classic rewards. Mm. So once you click that, you might find the seat you want for 20,000 points rather than half a million, but it's not very well advertised and one wonders why they've made it so difficult. Yeah, I wonder how many people actually know that they have to click on that little button and how many people just end up paying way more points than they should or, or giving up um, because they don't know that they, yeah, it's it's really not a good user experience. But so that, that's what's got yeah. a little bit harder since COVID. But um, are there any things now which are easier to book on points than they were before? Yeah, there are a couple of bright spots there. Um, Japan Airlines has very good availability out of uh, Australia using Qantas points, and the tie-up between Air Canada and Velocity is showing some good availability on on uh, certain routes, and that's that's not too bad. Yeah, there is a little bit now of um, business class award availability on Air Canada to, to Vancouver that I've found, which has been good. Um, I, I have also found a f- reasonable amount of availability to um, Middle East and Europe on Etihad 
uh, which you can now use velocity points for American Airlines miles. Um, so there are some things out there, but it's, yeah, um, depending on where you want to go, yeah, as you say, it's, uh, it could be a bit harder now, unfortunately. It's certainly changed from what it was two years ago. And it's interesting that what, what we would have used a couple of years ago, which might have been my sort of go-to route, have certainly changed. You have to be able to think outside the square at the moment. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, if people would like to use a ward flight assist to um, help them with using their points to book a trip overseas, could you want to remind people how they can request a quote? Yeah, certainly. Uh, perhaps the easiest way to, to bring up our website online would be to just Google a ward flight assist. That should give you a link straight to the homepage. You can also log into you know, www.frequentflyer.com.au and uh, click on the link to award flight assist, which is on the top of the page. Or perhaps you can put a link in the podcast notes, Matt. Yeah, if I remember, there'll be a link in the podcast notes that you can also use. Well, just finally, James Green, is it true that Qantas has named its new membership tier after you? Well, I'd certainly like <laughs> to think so, Matt. I've been a member for many years, but if they knew what my current thinking of their website was and how disappointed I am with their the long wait times on when you ring up, they probably wouldn't want to mention my name at all. <laughs> Do you think you'll um, you'll try to qualify for the green status with Qantas? Oh, I, I'll certainly have a look at it. Um, it's uh, all, always good. They are promising things like um, additional points and status credits, which I'm always keen on because I'm closing in on lifetime gold. So always keen to have a look at that. But it's a little bit short on on um, the actual details yet. I uh, believe they're hoping to announce the full details in February next year, but those things have a habit of being delayed. Yeah, no, I think it's a great initiative. Personally, I'll be, um, I'll, I'll almost certainly um, try to try to get that and get some get some extra status credits for um, doing some things which are good for the environment anyway. Um, so. It seems like a good initiative, but as you say, I guess the devil will be in the detail. Well, James, thanks for joining me on the podcast again. Uh, it's a pleasure, Matt. Yeah, and if you'd like to learn more also about the ins and outs of redeeming points for international flights in this post-pandemic world, you may also be interested in a webinar that I'll be hosting over at Frequent Flyer Solutions on Wednesday, the 8th of December. The topic is how to fly overseas on points in 2022. And over the hour-long webinar, we'll take an even deeper dive into how to redeem Qantas and Velocity points, as well as miles with overseas airlines to fly in and out of Australia next year. So I'll show you where to look for award availability, um, you know, including a few more more, more tips um, and uh, what's changed since we last travelled overseas and lots more. If you'd like to attend this Frequent Flyer Solutions webinar, it's at 8pm on Wednesday the 8th of December. You will need to register in advance, which you can do at frequentflyer.com.au. This fortnight, I've got a question on the AFF on Air discussion thread from Mike Barouche, and this person says, Hi, Matt. I thought I'd share a bit of a yes moment in a recent points redemption, which effectively resulted in a two-for-one business class trip with very low taxes on a much sought-after route. My aim was to find two business class seats from Los Angeles to Melbourne next month. Long story short, I found them on Qantas for 108,000 points each and taxes. Then... I found the same seats on American Airlines for 80,000 miles each, plus less taxes. And then finally, I found the same seats on Alaska Airlines for 55,000 miles each. Um, so this would be 55,000 Alaskan miles to book the seats on Qantas, plus also very low taxes. 
As a novice in the points game, I was thrilled with the result and was interested in knowing if there are other similar hacks to receive better value for effectively the same seats. For example, is it possible to use Turkish Airlines miles to redeem with Hawaiian Air for travel between Australia and Hawaii or uh, with United for travel between Australia and the US? I'd love to learn about leveraging arbitrage of one loyalty program against another. Well, thanks for the question, Mike, and it's it's a really good question. Uh, yes, absolutely, there are lots of these kinds of opportunities. I mean, if you think about it, there are around 20 different frequent flyer currencies that you can use just to book Qantas flights, for example, and all of them have their own pricing system. They all have different award charts or different ways that they price award flights. Some of them pass on fuel surcharges, some of them don't. And so, of course, some are going to be cheaper and others more expensive. And I mean, Qantas frequent flyer, I mean, Qantas points are okay value, but uh, Qantas does uh, pass on fuel surcharges. And I mean, the number of Qantas points you need to redeem for a flight are not are not that low. There are definitely other programs that charge lower amounts of points. And uh, you've definitely found that, like with the example from Australia to the US, Qantas charges 108,000 points and um, taxes and fuel surcharges, whereas Alaska Airlines charges only 55,000 of their own miles to book exactly the same seats, with, um, of course, Qantas being a one-world partner of both American and Alaskan. So just to give you a few more examples, Mike, um, one of them is long Qantas domestic flights in business class. So you might be aware that if you wanted to redeem Qantas points for a flight over uh, 1,200 miles, so for example, from Sydney to Perth or Brisbane to Darwin, this is going to cost 41,500 Qantas frequent flyer points in business class. However, you can redeem the same flights for just 20,000 miles with American Airlines or Alaskan Airlines miles. Uh, And in fact, with um, the American and Alaskan award charts, it's the same price for any domestic flight in Australia with Qantas. So if you're just redeeming for a short flight, say from Sydney to Melbourne, it would actually be cheaper to use Qantas points because it's 18,400 Qantas points for a flight of up to 600 miles. But for those longer flights, Qantas obviously has a distance-based award chart so it's going to cost you a lot more Qantas points whereas with American and Alaskan yeah it's just um they they use region-based award charts so yeah anything within Australia is just one low price and in fact using American Airlines for trans-Tasman flights particularly long flights like Perth to Auckland or Broome to Christchurch can be exceptional value that's only 25,000 Alaska miles for anything between Australia and New Zealand Uh, even regardless of whether it's Sydney to Auckland or Darwin to well for example. Um, To give you another example, if you wanted to fly from Sydney to Cairns on Virgin Australia, Velocity Frequent Flyer would charge you 17,800 Velocity Points in Economy or 35,500 Velocity Points in Business Class. That would be a Zone 3 award in Velocity, so it's in that range between 1,200 miles and 2,400 miles. Um, which is that that's the pricing you get to get with Velocity. But if you wanted to use Etihad Guest Miles, um, with Etihad Guest, anything up to uh, 1,250 miles in length, so any flight uh, with a distance of under 1,250 miles, is charged at the lowest rate. And the lowest rate with Etihad is only 6,900 Etihad Guest Miles in economy or 13,800 miles in business class. 
So that's right, for a flight from Sydney to Cairns on Virgin, you could get an economy ticket for 17,800 velocity points or 13,800 Etihad miles for business class. And in fact, the, the taxes and charges with Etihad are also about 9 or $10 lower. So um, yeah, definitely a better, um, better option with Etihad. And you can, of course, uh, transfer points from American Express to Etihad or also buy Etihad guest miles in case you're wondering. Uh, to give you another example, British Airways Executive Club, with their program um, short-haul um, reward flights on Qantas, just domestic flights in Australia, can be also very good value. So on flights of up to 650 miles in length, so for example, Canberra to Adelaide or Sydney to Hobart fall into these categories, um, you would pay for a Qantas flight 6,000 Avios, British Airways Avios, for economy class, or 12,500 British Airways Avios for business class. And on a route like Sydney to Hobart, you would be paying with Qantas points, 12,000 Qantas points for economy, so double what you'd be paying in Avios for economy, or for business class, it would be 27,600 Qantas points, which is more than double what you'd pay in Avios with British Airways. Um, although, unfortunately, that while that works with short-haul, British Airways actually has very expensive pricing for long-haul flights. So it works sometimes, but not other times, um, which I guess you could say the same about all of these programs. And to give you one final example, if you wanted to fly from Australia to Europe in Qatar Airways business class, this would cost you 139,000 Qantas frequent flyer points in business class. But instead, you could redeem Cathay Pacific Asia Miles, and it would only cost you 85,000 Asia Miles. Um, so if you've got, for example, credit card points that you can transfer to Asia Miles, that would actually be a lot uh, better value potentially than redeeming with Qantas points. And the other thing about using a partner airline like uh, Cathay Pacific Asia Miles instead of Qantas Frequent Flyer is, um, like I was talking about with James earlier, with Asia Miles, you could get up to four business class seats per flight potentially with Qatar in and out of Australia, whereas if you're using Qantas points, you might only have access to one Qatar Airways business class seat per flight. So yeah, um, there are absolutely exam um, uh, opportunities for arbitrage, and that's what one of the things that I find loyalty programs and particularly frequent flyer programs so interesting. Um, find, trying to find the sweet spots and the loopholes—that's um, to me that's half the fun of the game. And to answer your original question, Mike, you can indeed use Turkish Airlines miles to redeem for United flights, although that is subject to award availability. And United uh, has not been releasing very much award availability, particularly in business class, uh, to Australia lately. Uh, but the, yeah, both of these partners are in Star Alliance and therefore partners. So yes, you could theoretically use uh, miles with either airline to redeem on the other airline. Um, there is no partnership, though, between Turkish Airlines and Hawaiian Airlines, but you can book Hawaiian Airlines flights using Velocity Points, using American Airlines miles, using Virgin Atlantic Flying Club points, um, to give a few examples, and all at different price points as well. So you'll find, for example, that using Flying Club points with Virgin Atlantic might be cheaper on routes like Sydney to Honolulu than using Velocity Points. The main catch with all of this is that, well, yes, you can book Qantas business class from Australia to North America for 55,000 Alaskan miles and minimal taxes. It is a lot easier for most Australians to earn Qantas points than it is to earn Alaska miles. So no matter how cheap the Alaska award is, if all you have is Qantas points, then, you know, it's not that useful. So, of course, for those who are able to take advantage of the loophole and earn Alaskan miles instead, um, 
absolutely go for it and do it. But that won't be so easy for a lot of Australians earning points on the ground in Australia, where uh, unfortunately the Alaska Airlines mileage plan program doesn't have that much of a presence. Nonetheless, this is a huge benefit of earning points with a credit card, uh, you know, like a flexible credit card rewards program like American Express Membership Rewards that lets you transfer points out to multiple different frequent flyer programs as you need them rather than just earning Qantas points or, you know, just earning Velocity points. Well, finally, I thought I'd give you, my dear listeners, some quick reminders about some promos that will be ending very soon. Now, for some reason, lots of loyalty programs are currently running promotions that all end at on the 30th of November, which is next Tuesday. And I'll just give you a reminder of some of those. So um, the six-monthly Velocity Points Transfer promo is on at the moment. You can get 20% bonus Velocity Points when transferring from a credit card rewards program to Velocity or 30% bonus points coming from ANZ Rewards. The ITA Airways status match is also coming to an end on the 30th of November. So as a quick reminder, ITA Airways is the new Italian Sky Team member. Um, so if you get this status match, you'll get Sky Team status until the end of 2022. And ITA Airways, since I covered this in a previous episode of this podcast, is also now added to the list of airlines that it's accepting status match um, um, status match requests from. So um, yeah, if you're interested, go and check that out. Um, the Qantas Gold Status Fast Track that I mentioned earlier in the episode is also ending on the 30th of November, as is the IHG Reward Status Fast Track. So with this as a quick reminder, if you sign up for the IHG Reward Status Fast Track, you don't need to have any existing status with any uh, hotel or airline or anything, and it's free to sign up to the Fast Track, so there's really no reason not to. So if you're registered by the 30th of November, you then stay two nights within the next 90 days after registration, you will get IHG Rewards Gold status until the end of 2022. And if you stay five nights at IHG hotels, so they include brands like Holiday Inn, um, then you will get a Platinum status until the end of 2022 with IHG Rewards. And just finally, entries into Marriott Bonvoy's competition for vaccinated Australians also close on the 30th of November. So Marriott's offering five prizes, which each, uh, each winner will get a free night at every Marriott hotel in Australia, New Zealand, New Caledonia and Fiji to use by May 2023. So it's a pretty cool, fri- pretty cool prize. So if you have been uh, fully vaccinated in Australia, um, you can enter that on the Marriott Bonvoy website. And don't forget, there's also a bunch of Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales on at the moment, including from lots of different airlines and hotels. So you might want to check those out as well. And that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thank you for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF On Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.